On January 30, 2017, Philippine National Police Chief General Ronald Bato de la Rosa makes a startling announcement in Camp Crame. Flanked by generals of the PNP, De La Rosa faces a room full of journalists at their marble-tiled national headquarters lobby. The room buzzes with anticipation then fades to silence after the police chief stands on the podium. He leans over to the microphone. The war on drugs, he says, is suspended. With those words, tens of thousands of policemen stop their investigation into drug suspects. No buy busts are allowed. Raids are prohibited. No cop is allowed to knock on drug suspects' doors. No killings are to happen. It is the first time the anti-drug campaign of the Duterte administration, the so-called drug war that has been the centerpiece of the president's political capital, comes to an abrupt halt. It was time, De La Rosa explains to the public, that the police look at enemies from within. He is referring to the cops who are themselves embedded in the criminal underworld, the so-called scalawags among their ranks. He says it was going to be quote-unquote an internal cleansing. The suspension and the PNP's sudden introspection is triggered by one killing. Not of a Filipino, but of a foreigner. It is the murder of South Korean businessman Jiik Joo. Hello, I'm Rambo Talabong, Rappler's police and crime reporter. This is Rappler's Crime Podcast, Criminal. We revisit crime stories that are significant in understanding Philippine politics and society. This is our sixth episode, where we will dive into the case of Jiik Joo. Ji Ikju, 53, was born in Seoul, Korea. He studied in Korea and in Australia. He loved playing golf, going to karaoke parties, and watching movies. He worked in Saudi Arabia before becoming a manager at the Hanjin Heavy Industries and Construction Industrial Plant in Subic Zambales in the late 2000s. He founded his own company called Tech Philippines. He was part of the thriving Korean community in the Philippines. A lot of them stayed in central Luzon and in Angeles City. He married a fellow Korean, Choi Kyung Jin, and had a daughter in high school. They were already planning to retire. Ji and Choi enjoyed the slow pace of living in provincial Philippines. They led a peaceful life in a subdivision in Angeles, Pampanga when the cops came. This is the story told by the police based on their investigation. On October 18 at around 2 p.m., an alarmed Choi Kyung Jin, the wife of Jiik Ju, goes to the Angeles City police station. She reports that her husband and house helper have been kidnapped from their home. The Angeles City police station dispatches a SOCO team and refers Choi to the PNP's anti-kidnapping group, or AKG, in Camp Krame. They process her testimony. Three days later, on October 21, Choi and Ji's house helper Marisa Dawis Morkicho emerges and seeks the assistance of radio personality Mon Tulfo. Tulfo refers her to the AKG. There, she tells the story of October 18. According to Morkicho, she was kidnapped by a policeman. 
and that the policeman during the kidnapping accused G of being involved in illegal drugs. She remembers being shoved inside a black Ford Explorer where she already found G aboard, handcuffed, and sandwiched between two men in civilian attire. They drive to Quezon City from Angeles City. The trip took around one and a half hour. Midway, G. Ikju offers money in exchange for his freedom. He dangles 4 million pesos but he was still not released. For no apparent reason, Murkicho is released by the kidnappers in Quezon City, at around the same time Choi is reporting the incident in Angeles City. On October 25, the PNP AKG reaches a breakthrough in the investigation. They identify the two cars used in the kidnapping. A Toyota Hilux with a plate number AAX4655 and a Toyota Innova with a plate number TXS763. Upon checking records with the transportation offices, they discover that the Toyota Hilux is owned by a certain Jinky Santa Isabel. The Innova, meanwhile, is owned by a certain Maria Teresa Vituk, the mother of a certain Ramon Yalung. Investigating further, they find that Jinky Santa Isabel is the wife of a policeman. You're listening to the sixth episode of Criminal, Rattler's Crime Podcast. How is it so far? If you want to listen to other cool and informative audio, check out other Rappler podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. This crime podcast wouldn't have been possible without your support. If you haven't yet, support Rappler by joining our community called Rappler Plus. Rappler Plus believes in speaking truth to power, using technology for the greater good, to power communities to action. Go to rappler.com plus for more details. Jinky Santa Isabel is invited by the PNPAKG, and she confirms that the car identified is under her name. She also confirms her husband is a policeman. The policeman in question is SPO3 Ricky Santa Isabel, an operative from the PNP's Anti-Illegal Drugs Group, or AIDG. The AKG also speak with GHQ's neighbor, Mona Lisa Sabito. The AKG shows her photos of Santa Isabel and she claims that he was one of the kidnappers of Ju. The AKG, at this point, cannot summon SPO3 Santa Isabel and detain him. They still don't have a case against him. The AKG also has no jurisdiction over Santa Isabel. The investigators had to reach him through his boss, AIDG Chief Brigadier General Albert Ferro. Fortunately, Ferro supports the investigation. On October 30, Choi receives a text message from an unknown number, demanding 5 million pesos. She does not tell the police about this. Desperate, she deposits 5 million pesos to the culprit's bank account the next day on October 31, without being shown any proof of life of her husband. Two days later on November 2, the anonymous texter demands another 2 million pesos. She does not pay. Instead, she reaches out to the AKG. There is no demand made after that. On November 5, Ricky Santa Isabel faces the AKG with his lawyers and his boss, Superintendent Rafael Dumlao. Santa Isabel confirms that he used the Hilux that has been spotted in GHQ's compound in Angeles City, Pampanga, around five to six times, with the most recent being on October 18. 
He claims he was looking for a house to use as a base for operations in Region 3, and that he was instructed to do so by Dumlao. The AKG cops do not buy it. On November 10, the PNP AKG filed serious illegal detention complaints against SPO3 Santa Isabel, Ramon Yalong, and several John Joes with the Department of Justice. At this point, it is worth noting that the world still doesn't know about the case of Jiyikju. It was still under wraps by the PNP. On December 1, the preliminary investigation begins. Yalong is present, while Santa Isabel is only represented by his lawyer. On the second meeting for preliminary investigation on December 12, both are present. But Santa Isabel fails the case for the inhibition of the prosecutor handling the case, a usual tactic to delay the investigation. And then, news breaks. The Philippine Daily Inquirer first publishes the story on January 10, 2017, revealing Choi's quest to look for her husband and the PNP's failure to find him. On January 11, 2017, the PNP releases a statement that then-PNP Chief General Ronald De La Rosa has ordered a manhunt for Santa Isabel. A day later, Santa Isabel reveals in a television interview that he was in Camp Crame all along. Santa Isabel also resigns from the police service. On January 13, then-Justice Secretary Vitaliano Aguirre orders a special prosecutor to resolve the case as soon as possible. Another breakthrough happens on January 16, when one of the policemen who was part of the squad who kidnapped Jiyik Ju surrenders to the PNP AKG and issues an extrajudicial confession. He is SPO4 Roy Villegas of the AIDG. This is what he says happened. On October 4, 2016, Santa Isabel asks Villegas to help out in a surveillance operation in Angeles City. He decides to join. On October 18, they launch the operation. They enter the Friendship Plaza subdivision and drive in front of the home of Jiyik Ju. There, they take Ji and his house help. They drive to Quezon City and stay there for two hours, then proceed to Camp Crame, the national headquarters of the Philippine National Police. At 11 p.m., they stop at the parking area of the PNP Police Community Relations Group. There, Santa Isabel covers the head of Jiyik Ju with packaging tape, then strangles him to death. Santa Isabel then calls a certain Ding, whom he offers 30,000 pesos and a golf set in exchange for keeping Ji's body. They leave Ji's body at the Green Funeral Homes, which is owned by a retired policeman turned barangay captain. There, Ji is cremated, and then allegedly flushed down the toilet. On January 18, 2017, the police searches the funeral parlor with a warrant and finds the golf set. Choi identifies it as belonging to her husband. Two days later, on January 20, the Angeles City Regional Trial Court issues an arrest warrant against Santa Isabel, Villegas, and Yalong for the kidnapping and homicide of Jiyik Ju. Santa Isabel is brought to the National Bureau of Investigation, then to the PNP Custodial Center in Camp Crame. It could have ended with Santa Isabel's arrest, but there was another breakthrough in the investigation. Insisting on his innocence, Santa Isabel's wife speaks out and names the bosses of her husband as the masterminds behind the killing of Jiyik Ju. 
On January 21, Jinky Santa Isabel holds a press conference at her home. She says the operation was planned by AIDG Superintendent Rafael Dumlao and Colonel Alan Macapagal from the PNP AKG. Jinky claims to hold a recording of a phone call she had with Dumlao the week before, where he apparently promised to orchestrate a plot to put the blame on innocent Angeles City policemen. Jinky says it was Dumlao and not her husband who tortured and killed Ji Ikju. Two days later, the Philippine Star reports that Santa Isabel executed his affidavit to the crime. He admits that he participated in the crime, but only to bring Ji's body to the funeral parlor. He implicates Dumlao and Makapagal. Santa Isabel says Dumlao ordered him to join the operation, but he begged off. On the day of the operation, he says he was summoned by Dumlao to Camp Krame, where he apparently saw G still alive, and his maid, Morquicho. He says he was ordered to kill Morquicho, but he let her go instead in Quezon City. He says when he returned to Camp Krame, G was already dead. That was when he got rid of the body. This leaves the government with two clashing narratives handled by two different agencies. The PNP with its star witness, Villegas, and the NBI with Santa Isabel. Regardless of who is talking, there is one common accusation. Ji-Ik-Ju was killed by policemen. These are the same policemen whom President Rodrigo Duterte praised as the frontliners of his centerpiece project. Duterte knew it did not reflect well on him at all. At that point, the Senate has spent days grilling the PNP on the killing, and the case has captured the attention of both the Philippines and the world. On January 29, 2017, Duterte orders the Philippine National Police to stop the anti-drug campaign. He also orders the abolition of the AIDG. What has happened since then? At the time of this podcast, it has been four years since the killing of Ji-Ik-Ju. No one has been convicted of kidnapping and killing him. Santa Isabel, Dumlao, Yalong have been charged with homicide, kidnapping, serious illegal detention, and carnapping, but the cases have not moved forward. The case is still at the regional trial court level, slowed further by the pandemic. As the case moves slowly, public attention and thus the Duterte administration moves on. Months after the suspension of the drug campaign, Duterte revives it, citing the need for the police to continue its job in ridding the country of illegal drugs. Months later too, the PNB resurrects the AIDG and puts it under a more powerful unit, the PNB Drug Enforcement Group. The killings continue after their return. The story of Ji-Ik-Ju is unique because it involves a foreigner. It is not the only case involving a foreigner, but the gruesome details of his killing spark widespread public attention. The public's fascination with the case makes the parallel investigations of the PNP, NBI, and even the Senate possible. Aside from the Senate, these are probe bodies that have mostly ignored the thousands of victims in Duterte's war on drugs. Yet in the end, Ji-Ik-Ju's case suffers the same fate as thousands of other cases. Except for the killers of Kian de los Santos, 
there have been no convictions in these cases that involve policemen in the anti-drug campaign. And like the families of slain drug suspects, Jiu's wife waits for justice.